0: of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the word of God. Oh I can see last week
1: I introduced the topic. I tried to define for you what we mean by Christ-likeness. It is a commitment of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your will, your emotions to obey, imitate, and follow Jesus Christ until you are like Him. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to speak to this topic. Even as we we look at the standard you have set for the Christian, and examine the resources you have given us. My prayer, Father, is that you will wake up each of us an agency, a hunger and test to pursue christ likeness until we are like Him. In Jesus' name, Amen. Today, I want to open up the scriptures for you concerning the standard God has set for every child of God and as our time allows us to begin to examine the resources put at our disposal for becoming more and more and more like Jesus Christ. So let's begin, for many of us, we see God through the spectacles of our local church. We have a local holiness. If you belong to a church like Assemblies of God, you look at the most fiery person and the slowest person and settle in the middle. And the same way if you belong to a Methodist church you consider the pastor's wife and look at those who don't even come to church on Sunday but their names are on the church register and you settle in the middle. Now what happens is that We tend to to see God as a local God and His holiness and standard for Christianity to be limited to our local church or at best our church denomination. If you are Pentecostal, if you are charismatic, if you are uh, Orthodox or Roman Catholic, you tend to think that The God you are worshipping is also the same. But it is best to look at the scriptures to find out what the Bible defines as God's standard. Let's explore this in... Various categories. Category one God's expectation for us to be perfect. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, the Bible quotes Jesus saying, Be ye therefore perfect,
0: even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14, be perfect, verse 4, as your heavenly father is perfect.
1: Now, when you hear this, you are blown away because you are like, what, what really does Jesus mean? And this is right in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's listen to the Sermon on the Plain, Luke six thirty six. Jesus says, Be ye therefore merciful, just as your
0: heavenly Father is merciful. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Luke 6, 36. Then, we hear Peter saying
1: that we should be holy, just as our heavenly Father is holy. Let's read it from 1 Peter. We are reading chapter 1, verse 15 and 16.
0: First Peter chapter 1, 15 and 16. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, in these three passages, what I want
1: you to notice is just as. Be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be merciful, just as your heavenly Father is merciful. Be holy, just as your heavenly Father is holy. Now, just as means in the same manner as. In 1 John chapter 3, we are reading verse 3. The Bible says, anyone who has this hope in Jesus, seeing Jesus and
0: being like him, purifies himself just as he is pure. First John chapter 3, verse 3. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. We are to forgive one another just
1: as God in Christ forgave us. Ephesians 4 32
0: be kind and compassionate to one another be kind be compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you forgive one another just as in Christ God forgave
1: you then Jesus told us in John chapter 15 we are reading verse 9 and verse 12 that Just as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Love one another just as I have loved you.
0: John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Yes.
1: Verse 12.
0: My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. So, I
1: want us to begin to look at the fact that heaven expects us to grow spiritually to mature and be like Jesus. Let's read a few more verses that really move me. In John Chapter 20, verse 21. After his resurrection, Jesus met his disciples and said, Peace be unto you. Just as my Father has
0: sent me, even so send I you. John 20, 21. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father has sent me,
1: I am also sending you, and in John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says that,
0: look, anyone who believes in me, the works I do, will he do also. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me, will do what I have been doing, so will do even greater things than this, because I am going to the Father. Now, as if
1: that is not enough, Jesus tells us in John, we are not reading that one, John 8, verse 12, He says, I am the light of the world. But in Matthew, chapter 5, from verse 13 to 16, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, You are the light of the world. A city that is on the hill cannot be hidden. It means that, Jesus turns around and his claim to be the light of the world, he turns around and tells his disciples that you are also expected to match up to being the light of the world. What did the apostles think? The apostles of Jesus Christ give us the idea that a Christian is supposed to To clean his life from sin. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1. We are told that therefore since we have so so many great promises from God. We should clean up our lives from every defilement of flesh and spirit. And perfect holiness in the fear
0: of God. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Purify ourselves from everything. Purify ourselves
1: from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, verse 2, verse 4, and verse 14, the Bible says that, Seeing that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings closely to us and besets us. And run with patience the race which has been set up before us, looking unto Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the sheep, now he is seated at the right hand of god and then in the verse 4 he says you have not yet resisted sin to the shedding of blood in the verse 14 of the hebrews 12 he says we shall follow peace with all men and the holiness without which no man shall see the lord i want us to read the Hebrews 12, verse 10. He says that you see, our fathers discipline us the way they like, but God disciplines us so that we shall become partakers of His holiness, we can share in His holiness. Yes,
0: Hebrews 12. Our fathers verse 10. disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good. That we may share in His holiness. God disciplines us so that we can share in His holiness.
1: I think that it is wrong to get an idea that we just come to God and receive Jesus just to be saved. And so we sit in church and we consider that we are doing God's service. When we read our Bible, when we pray, and you know, heaven doesn't think that way. Heaven is trying to put across to us that our lives must be clean. First Timothy five twenty-two. He says, Keep yourself pure. And in Second Timothy chapter two, verse nineteen, the Bible says that. The stamp of God Is sure He knows those who are his And anyone who names the name of the Lord Must depart from iniquity Because in a great house There are not only vessels of silver and gold But some of wood And clay Some for noble use Some for ignoble use If a man cleanses himself He will be a vessel of honor Feed for the master's use. Prepare for every good work. You know, these passages mean that human beings, the apostles and writers of the New Testament like us, they got the point that it is possible to clean up your life, to purge yourself, to keep yourself pure, to put off the old man and put on the new man, and to walk as Jesus walked. That's 1st John chapter 2 verse 6. But, yes, if you
0: find it, you can read it. 1st John chapter 2 verse 6. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Whoever claims to live in Christ
1: must walk as he walked. But not only that, you know, there are some of the Bible verses which are disturbing. Even though 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 3, verse... I want us to read verse 6, verse 8, and verse 9. They are quite disturbing. Let's read them. 1 John chapter 3. <laughs> no I mean,
0: one who lives in Him Keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. No one who lives in Christ keeps on sinning.
1: No one who has seen him can just continue to live in sin. You see, does it not agree very much with what Paul asked in Romans chapter six, verse one and two that? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin continue to live in it? But let's read the verse 8 and verse 9. They, they, they are even more pointed. He who
0: does what is sinful is of the devil.
1: He who does what is sinful is of the devil.
0: Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. This is why Jesus came. To destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. No one, no one, no one
1: born of God will continue to sin. Because God's seed remains in him.
0: Because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. Now, allow me to take
1: us through a small glance at Jesus and his attitude to sin. Let's read Matthew chapter 5. Please, verse 28 to 30. It's a long passage, but it's worth listening. This is right in the Sermon on the Mount.
0: Yes. Matthew chapter five twenty eight to thirty. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her and his heart. Anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This is Jesus. If your right eye causes you to sin, gorge it out and throw it away. And it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right
1: hand causes you to sin, just doubt it out, throw it away. It is better for you to be one eyed and enter heaven than to have two eyes and go into hell.
0: Yes. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. And it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Please, notice the repetition for emphasis. But
1: let's read the same Matthew chapter 18. This time, I just want us to read verse 9. I want to make a
0: point. Matthew chapter 18 verse 9. And if your eye causes you to sin, gorge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Why do you think Matthew, the tax collector
1: and the apostle, will write two times in the same gospel a statement by Jesus and put one in the Sermon on the Mount and bring one in his discussion On children and the greatest in the kingdom. Why would he do that? The apostles and followers of Jesus, they heard him clearly. They saw that the attitude Jesus had towards sin was a very strong one. We are not reading Mark chapter 9, but from verse 43 to 48, the same things are repeated. And in a very intense form. Now, I know what you are thinking. You are probably saying, well, that's Jesus. But, if you come to the apostles. And the followers of Jesus. And listen to their writings too. You find out that they come out with very strong statements on sin. In... James for example, James chapter 2 verse 10, the Bible says anyone who keeps the whole law but offends in one point is guilty of breaking all. In James chapter 4 verse 17, James says that anyone who knows what is right to do and does not do it, for him it is sin. In Romans chapter 14, Verse 23 Paul says that Whatsoever is not of faith Is sin Now In First Peter chapter 2 From verse 21 To 23 Peter the head of the church Makes a strong point He says this is why you have been called Christ suffered for us Leaving us an example That we should walk in His steps He did no sin, neither was guile, lying, deceit, found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he insulted nobody back. When he suffered, he threatened no one, but committed his life and his case to God. Let me ask you, if Jesus is God, fully God, hundred percent and fully man hundred percent and we are supposed to walk in his steps and be suffer like him be like him is it possible that you can just live as you are living now and he will be pleased with you you see Jesus loves you the way he found you, but he will never leave you the way you are. He loved you. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But after dying for you as a sinner, when he saves you, he can never leave you like that. He wants a transformation. He wants a change. He wants a difference in your life. He wants you to purify yourself as He is pure. He wants you to be perfect even as his, your Heavenly Father is pure. He wants you to be merciful as the Heavenly Father is merciful. He wants you to forgive as God forgives. In fact, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says that we are supposed to imitate God as obedient children. That one we can read, Ephesians 5, 1. Ephesians 5, 1. You, you can even add verse 2. Let's read Ephesians 5, 1 and 2.
0: The imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. The imitators of God, as dearly loved children. You have to imitate God. Yes? And and live a life of love, live a life of love, just as Christ loved us, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, please, I, I just want to use this
1: period, to put it to you, that The average Christian Is very relaxed We take life You know it's like Well God has saved me He is stuck with me He should get me to heaven And not waste my time And uh, you know I just want to get to heaven That's why I'm here And oh I'm saved I'm saved praise the Lord And any attempt To tell The average pure woman That No, you are supposed to grow spiritually, you are supposed to be transformed and live a new life. They are like, wait a minute, please, that you are preaching works. Salvation is grace, not by works. I'm saved, that's it. But the apostle of grace, Paul, says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 that just as you have obeyed in my presence so in my absence too I expect you to obey and work out your salvation with fear and trembling for God is at work in you to will and to do according to his pleasure so God expects every Christian to be at work to shake yourself to pursue righteousness First Timothy chapter 6 verse 11. You know, to pursue holiness, to strive, to love like Jesus loved, to be merciful like Jesus, and to, to perfect like Him, to purify yourself as He is pure, to do the works that Jesus did, to know that you have been sent by the Father just as Jesus was sent by the Father. God expects the Christian's life to be one of Pressing on. And I want us to read that passage also. Let's read Philippians chapter three from verse 7. Then we read seven and eight, and then we will engage verse ten and verse twelve.
0: Yes. Philippians That whatever was to my prophet I now consider lost for the sake of christ what is more i consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing christ jesus my lord for whose sake i have lost all things i consider them rubbish that i may gain christ and verse. 10, i want to know christ i want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing his sufferings becoming like him in his death in verse 12 verse 12 says not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me now I think I have made
1: my point let me spend The minutes I have left on talking about the resources that God has put at our disposal for becoming more and more like Jesus. Now this aspect is because if you do not see the need to pursue Christ likeness, to pursue holiness, Pursue sanctification, you don't think you need the resources at all. It is only when something wakes up in you that no, I I am the kind of life I am living as a Christian. There is no difference between myself and a person who is not saved at the workplace. I do the same things with them. I sing the same songs. I dress the same way. I I crack the same profane jokes with all my mates. I am the same. I I say I am a Christian, but I accept bribes. I I tell lies. I I flirt with women. I am married, but I am lasting after girls. I I, am living just like any other person at the workplace. That should show you that you need to Anger and thirst for Christ likeness you need to look at the standard of God for your life don't just take it that well in my church my pastor doesn't mind oh even my pastor's wife oh she she, she quarrels with the husband and they slap one another and, and oh for me i you, you know therefore I, I don't see anything wrong with it if you say that, it means that you are not really pursuing any standard to conform to Christ likeness and be like Jesus. But let's look at the resources at our disposal. I'm going to list for today just three and we pick it up next week by far the biggest resource that God has given us is the strength of His predestination. In Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, when He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Now, this passage is saying that when God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, He blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ because these blessings are to help us to be holy and blameless before Him. Way back in Genesis 17 verse 1 God told Abraham I am the Lord God Almighty walk before me and be perfect be blameless. Way in the Old Testament Noah in Genesis chapter 6 verse 8 and 9. We walked with God and he was blameless. Look at Enoch. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 22 to 24. Enoch walked with God and God took him alive to heaven. The scripture, look at Job. In Job chapter 1, from verse 8. God boasted about Job before Satan. And he said, he was a blameless man. God-fearing, how come that these people, before the cross of Christ, before the resurrection of Jesus, before the coming of the Holy Spirit, before the new birth justification and, and sanctification adoption, before god Spirit coming to live in us and cry, Abba, Father. How did the Old Testament saints manage to walk with God and they were blameless? And New Testament saints are struggling with the same sins which unbelievers are struggling with. What does it mean? You see, what does it mean? The predestination plan Romans eight twenty nine. He says that those whom God foreknew, He predestined that they should be conformed to the image of His Son, so that they will be like their firstborn brother Jesus. And those He foreknew, He also justified. Those He justified, He glorified. And he did it in such a way that Romans chapter 8 verse 31 and 32 say, What shall we say then? If God be for us, who can be against us? He would not spare his son, but gave him up freely for us. What else would he not give to us freely? But the next resource I want to share is the... the the power of the new birth the power of the new birth all the noise we make about conversion and people say i'm born again i'm born again it's not supposed to be just a sunday school recitation what is happening is that ezekiel 36 from verse 25 to 27 The scripture says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you will be clean. I will take the heart of stone out of your heart. I will give you a heart of flesh. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. And I will put my spirit within you, who who will cause you to walk in my commandments and in my statutes. So when Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 3 and verse 5, That except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And except a man be born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And he says it in John 3, 6. He says that whatever is born of flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of spirit is spirit. What the scripture is saying is that the new birth is not just theory. Heaven has given us a packet. Second Corinthians 5 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things are passed away, all things are become new. The new birth, the born-again experience, is a packet that heaven has given man such that. A man who was a sinner like Paul, like the woman of Samaria, like people in the New Testament who met Jesus. The 180 degree transformation comes because the the contact with Jesus brings about a revolution, a transformation, a newness. That is why we say you are born again. The new birth must produce a change in you. Romans chapter 8 is very clear when it says that in verse 14 it says as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the children of God. And that we have not received the spirit of fear And slavery, bondage, but of adoption, sonship. When we cry, Abba Father, the Spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus, provided we suffer with Him that we might reign also with Him. Please, I have not finished with the resources that i have just been trying throughout this message to wake up in you by the power of the holy spirit a conviction that you have not arrived you are not where god wants you to be the jesus who bought you with his blood laid hold of you because he is expecting a certain standard so that the work of the blood of jesus on you will be new it will be fresh and my prayer is that the words of hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 to 12 will be true of you he said that in the last days i will make a new covenant with the house of israel i i will Write my laws on their hearts and put it in their minds. And I will be their God. They will be my people. No one will tell his neighbor, Know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. And their iniquities and sins I will remember no more. I want you at this juncture to pray with me. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to create in you a new hunger and taste for greater Christ likeness. For a pursuit of Jesus Christ. to, To be like Him. To be found in Him. So that you can be as holy as He is holy. You can love as He loved. You can be merciful as He is merciful. You can be perfect. If that's your heavenly father is perfect, I want you to pray that the spirit of God will give you a hunger and a test to pursue righteousness. Yes wake up your church father wake up your church father by the power of the Holy Spirit the conviction of sin of righteousness yes and of judgment yes by the power of the Holy Spirit into the heart of every individual you both with the blood of your son Jesus that the church we wake up and stop comparing ourselves with the world but then we will compare ourselves with the lord jesus for whose sake we must leave all things and turn fully to him father i pray for everyone here in the sound of my voice that lord your spirit will give them an encounter lord give them a conviction wherever they may be yes in the name of jesus so that a new pursuit. Will begin in the church of God. And Lord, I ask that this hunger and test will not stop until there is a definite change and transformation in the lives of your children who are ready to run with you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Oh, I can see the light. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org God bless you.